0: Your salespeople really need to evolve from the typical salesperson into someone that's really more focused in on being almost a customer success manager or support person. And so, really focusing in on education and consulting and ensuring that customers get a lot of value when they spend time in the application and that what they came there for, the job to be done, is what they get.
1: What's up, guys? Welcome to SaaS Half Full, the only show serving B2B SaaS marketers. I'm Lindsey Groper, president at Blast Media, and as always, I will be your host at Bartender today. Today, I'm chatting with Ryan Barreto, SVP of global sales at Sprout Social. Ryan's been someone who's been on my radar for a while as a potential guest on SaaS Half Full. Uh, Sprout Social had their IPO in Q4 of 2019 has proved to be a very interesting time to go public looking at what uh, Q1 and Q2 of this year has held. Uh, The pivot that we're discussing today with Ryan is when the world shut down in March is pivoting from an in-office sales culture to allowing the sales team to be productive on their own time and providing the freedom to work against their new work-life restraint, which we all know is different for everyone. So I have my cocktail ready to go. Ryan's got his cocktail kit Feel free to mix yourself up one and join me and Ryan Barreto, SVP of global sales at Sprout Social. Good morning, Ryan. Thanks so much for joining me today on SAS Half
0: Full. Hey, Lindsay. Good to be here with you.
1: It is 11 a.m. on a Friday, and I, which means I don't feel too horrible about having a cocktail today. And I am drinking a Tito's and watermelon bubbly which is a strange combination, I know, but I'm in the office today and had to do with what we had here. So here we go. What drink did you choose to share with me today?
0: Well, it is happy hour somewhere. I am sipping on an El Pepino Margarita. So it's a little spicy mezcal cocktail.
1: Nice. Well, I appreciate you joining me. I know you are in Nashville, so you are an hour earlier, correct? It's 10 o'clock there? It is. Yep. Awesome. How's everything holding up in Nashville?
0: I, I can't complain. It's, it's slightly warmer than it was in Chicago. Uh, and it's, it's just been easy living out here. So all good.
1: Love it. Yep. Um, Ryan recently made the move to Nashville um, from Chicago, much warmer temps. And I think that's a trend that we're seeing a lot of actually is people realizing, I don't know if there, an office is going to be a thing anymore. So taking the opportunity to figure out where would I might want to live if I could make the choice. So good for you for making that choice and heading south. So Ryan and I are going to be chatting about how his world changed. Ryan leads a global sales team at Sprout Social. And for those of you who either work closely with the sales organization on the marketing side or are part of a sales organization, uh, we know that 2020 has demanded a lot and a lot of pivots. So before we dive into that, though, we do want Ryan to get some background on you. So if you could please give us the speed dating version of what Sprout Social is, why you guys exist.
0: So as we know today, the world is, is dramatically changed, uh, even pre-COVID. Half the world's population exists on social today. And certainly during this COVID time, we've seen increased usage of social. And it's really become this new mode of communication, similar to how we evolved when we saw the phone and email. And so what Sprout does is we help businesses harness the power of social. And that includes things like marketing, social customer care, helping them analyze some of the data within social to understand what's working and what's not working. And then we allow them to tap into the massive amount of insights that exist in social listening data. And we do that for companies of all shapes and sizes, over 100 countries around the world, 25,000 customers, including customers like Four Seasons, Ohio State University, the Lakers, NAACP, and Shopify.
1: Awesome. And tell us a little bit on your journey to B2B SaaS. It looks like you've been in this industry for quite some time. So curious how you started in the B2B SaaS world.
0: Actually, my dad was a CIO way back when. And so I first got introduced to SaaS in the early 2000s when it was called On Demand. And I was lucky enough to be an early employee at Salesforce.com. So I joined that team when there were 800 employees, $175 million in revenue, and I joined the early office in Toronto, which was one of the, the main offices outside of the headquarters in San Francisco. And it was there for 10 plus years. My last job there was leading global sales for Pardot, the marketing automation solution that they acquired when they acquired ExactTarget, which was in your backyard there in Indy.
1: Indeed. Yes, we have a, a soft place in our hearts for Salesforce because of that acquisition. When did you first, though, fall in love with sales? And when did you know that this was your jam?
0: I've actually always loved sales. And it, it's funny, my parents remind me of this. but. When I was 9 or 10 years old, I actually used to smuggle fireworks back from Myrtle Beach back to Canada and Toronto, and I used to sell fireworks to the kids in the neighborhood. So I don't know how my mom let me get away with that. But I've been selling for for a long time, and I've always just been really passionate about it. And when I got introduced to Salesforce in 2006, that was really when my my love for sales just went to a different level, and I've been in it uh, ever since then.
1: If you could describe your current role today as the SVP of Global Sales at Sprout Social, what does that all
0: entail? I'm I'm very lucky and I get to spend a lot of time with our customer-facing employees and our customers. So I lead all of the functions within the sales and customer success organization from pre-sales to the account executives and the solution engineers to our onboarding team and our services team and our customer success managers. And on top of that, our channel program. So I get a chance to spend time Working with groups in our marketing department, thinking about our go-to-market strategy and our product marketing, as well as getting to work with folks on our our R&D team and thinking about our product roadmap and where we want to invest. So it's it's an all-encompassing role today. I've I've also got the pleasure now, we, we turned into a public company at the end of 2019. So I get a chance to participate with our CEO and CFO on our earnings call and spend some time with our investors now and stakeholders in the organization.
1: Oh, those had to be some pretty interesting calls then uh, this spring.
0: Yeah, <laughs> yeah it, was, uh, it was very interesting turning into a public company as we went into 2020 and then COVID hit in March and certainly shifted a lot of the conversations for many people across the industry and certainly in tech.
1: Oh, absolutely. So you and I have never had a chance to meet in person. This is our first conversation, but we do have a, a mutual connection, someone that I have known since i was in kindergarten and i've known her her whole life and that's mj price who is a sales leader at sprout social and you know mj is someone who has been living the improv circuit she is fantastic from that point of view but that translates so well into sales right you have to think on your feet roll with the punches create really quick narratives and those qualities have never been put to the test more <laughs> than this year so everything shuts down in march how did your sales team respond
0: Yeah. MJ is a fantastic example of what we we hope to have on our sales team. And you you said a few things there that just really resonate in terms of how our sales team responded. One, especially during this time where budgets are tight and, and customers can be distracted, but the need for digital, especially social has never been higher. Adding value really matters. And that's something that MJ and so many of our team really do is they... They focus in on this idea of delivering more value than is expected of them. So we see ourselves as not just people who are selling software, but in this social world that's constantly evolving and changing, how do we ensure that our customers know the best practices within social, specifically for the industries that they're in? How can we help them be more effective with their marketing campaigns? How can we help them be quicker in responding to their customers? We have this motto that was coined by our CEO, Justin, here, which is, We don't want to just be easy to do business with. We want to be a joy to do business with. And so that's a mantra that our team really focuses in on. And and I've just been really pleased to see how the sales team has responded. The level of activity, surprisingly, uh, is actually higher today than it was before COVID. And so just a a lot of gratitude for, for our team and the way that we've seen them respond in this really challenging time.
1: Well, and that is, might be surprising for some people to hear. I mean, everyone's experiencing this differently, but the fact that you're seeing more activity now with people working from home, where you would imagine there's even more distractions, less accountability, to what do you attribute that?
0: One, I will just say we're in a very fortunate position in that we're in a market today where customers still need us, right? When most doors are shut, the one door that remains open is social, And so we still see a lot of inbound traffic. We're an inbound model. 95% of our revenue comes through trials. So we're in a very fortunate position that we still have a lot of traffic coming to our website that's converting into trials and opportunities for our sales team. And so that's a big thing is just the inbound demand. But I think the second piece for our team is they've realized that with some of the normal distractions you have in the office, if you can find some place to get some quiet time and focus time, you can actually crank out quite a bit of activity. And so the the team is just, I think, really being uh, resilient in their approach to their work. And they're realizing that we still have a lot of customers that need our help and support. And so that's been been a big difference for us. And I, I think if you look at that compared to a lot of organizations that right now don't have that same inbound demand, they're spending a lot of time outbound prospecting. And we know that that in terms of productivity can be a lot tougher. The customer acquisition cost is very different versus an inbound model.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And speaking of your customers, I mean, the, the first thing that came to my mind was how your customers might be feeling, right? I mean, you think about the the social media managers, and, and these might not be those who are actually executing that you're selling to. But I even look at us from our standpoint when, you know, with all of the intensity that 2020 has brought with the pandemic and with racial inequality is I was even walking on eggshells, you know, as a company and looking at, you know, everything that we're putting out. It's like, uh, is this, is this okay? Is this tone deaf? Is this, is this right? Is this wrong? And that was my first thought is, man, all of these social media managers have this huge microscope on them now. Right. And I, I was just curious from your standpoint, did you feel that? Did you, how did your customers respond?
0: Absolutely felt it. And just very grateful for the customers that we have. It's an amazing community. The folks that are within social, as you might imagine, they're very social and they, they do a lot to help each other out. We absolutely saw a lot of inbound demand from our customers asking for feedback on content. W- what is working? What's resonating for customers today? We, we spend a lot of time and effort creating content for our customers on social listening data and what was resonating with the market, what what type of messaging was creating the right type of engagement, how were organizations shifting their messaging to ensure that they were not tone deaf in this world. And and so we spent a lot of time consulting with our customers and helping them. They spent a lot of time looking at their data within Sprout Social and within social in general to understand what type of messaging they should be putting into the market. But I I would just say, it's it's an amazing community. Those people are doing incredible work to your point about a microscope. They need to move at the speed of social, right? It's happening so fast, and everyone's got eyes on all of the work that they do. So they, they need to be near perfect, and, and no one's perfect. So it's, it's a lot of stress on on those managers today. But they're doing an amazing job, from what we can tell.
1: So the customers use the platform to get uh, data on on themselves and their own brands. But you you have the. Uh, benefit of, of collecting data across customers. So I, I would imagine you guys took a look at how the data was shifting, what story it was telling at the onset of the pandemic. What were you guys finding?
0: Yeah, there's a few things. One, there was certainly a change in volume. So you saw, especially in a lot of industries like travel and hospitality, you're seeing a change in the volume of messaging that was going out. So people pulled back on the amount of content that they were pushing out. It shifted a lot from self-promotion and campaigns and deals to focusing in on community. So you saw a lot of amazing brands shift their focus and focused in on social injustice, focusing in on mental health. And so for us, we were trying to provide our customers with details specific to their industry on the type of messaging that was working and resonating. And a lot of it when it first started was about empathy. It was about community. It was about being human. And that, that was really important. And what was really interesting, though, is, as the summer progressed, and this became a little bit more of our new normal, we saw a shift for our own customers and saying, hey, we appreciate the empathy that you're showing to us. But we need education, right? We, we need to still run our businesses. And we need to understand a little bit more about how we could be better utilizing your technology. Better understanding what is happening within the marketplace and how we we can continue to shift our go-to-market strategy to help our business grow. And so we moved a lot of our own content for our customers from that empathy, mental health focus, community focus into focusing in on things like education and how to better utilize the, the tools that they had and how to better utilize the tools given the market that we're in.
1: Yeah, that makes sense. You had to then shift from more of an empathetic uh, messaging to your customers to more of education. How did that change the dynamic between your sales team and the marketing teams? Did you guys have to to come together in different ways? Did you feel like the those two were maybe even more disparate for a while? How did that affect that dynamic?
0: Yeah, we definitely had to come together as a group. The, the marketing team in a huge... Uh, Showed it to all of them. They did a great job pivoting and and focusing in on the things that really mattered. And so we looked at our events calendar, we looked at our content calendar, and we said, Hey, what we were about to do isn't going to work in this market. We can't go to all these cities around the world and run these social digital uh, days anymore live, but we can do them online. So we actually shifted to doing two really big digital events. And we focused those digital events. The first one was focused in on our customers and how to better utilize the tools that we offer and the best practices within their industry. And then the second one we just did in September was opened up to the entire market. And we said, we won't focus as much on the specific Sprout social tools, but let's talk a lot about what's happening within the industry. Let's make sure that this is a fantastic resource for those social media managers, a chance for them to hear from their colleagues, from the best practitioners within the market And understand a little bit more about how they should be planning for 2021. And so the the teams really came together. And then on the sales side, with an inbound model where you have a free trial, your salespeople really need to evolve from the typical salesperson into someone that's really more focused in on being almost a customer success manager or support person. And so really focusing in on education and consulting and ensuring that customers get a lot of value when they spend time in the application. And that what they came there for, the job to be done is what they get.
1: And even knowing that there's a more of an inbound model, my assumption is that your sales team is still held accountable and has to close deals and, and meet numbers. I would think that as a sales leader, that especially at the onset of the pandemic in March, how did you hold your sales team accountable? Or I think that's just a dicey... Conversation where yes, I know you're struggling, but ops, we still have have numbers we need to hit. How did those conversations go, and how did you land on a way to continue to incentivize your team and hold them accountable?
0: Yeah, it's it's a great question, and it's uh, it's definitely a delicate balance. And I will say, I was panicked when the pandemic hit. We had a we had a really big inside sales team, and we've always worked out of our offices. Now we do have remote enterprise folks, but the majority of our team is in one of our offices across Chicago, Seattle, or Dublin. And so for us, I was really worried about what productivity was going to look like, how to drive accountability, and then realizing on top of this, you know, so many things that people are dealing with from a, a social injustice perspective, as well as obviously all of the challenges related to COVID. The, the biggest thing for us was gratitude. And again, appreciating that we were in this really fortunate situation where we did have opportunities in front of us. And and then we all just said that we wanted to commit to being our very best. And part of that was understanding that while we had numbers to deliver and goals we wanted to hit, we also needed to show a lot of empathy and flexibility. We know that everybody's workday has changed. We've got a lot of parents on our team. I'm a parent here. We've got... And you'll probably hear them at some point. I got a five and eight-year-old downstairs who are off today. But we've got a lot of parents. We've got a lot of folks that are sharing their apartments with, with roommates and so we realized that really leaning into flexibility and letting people dictate how their workday was going to work was going to allow us to still be productive and for our people to hit their numbers, but to do it in a different way.
1: Yeah, we've taken the same approach here. It doesn't matter to me how and when you get your work done, if it's getting done. And you know, we couldn't necessarily do that before because you were here roughly eight to five, but... Today, it's I, I. It really doesn't matter to me if you need to be offline for you know three hours if you're getting your work done and doing what you need to be doing. We've adopted that same model as well, and I would imagine you, because we felt the same thing. You, you know, you get through this this wave of the pandemic where you're like accepted it. It is what it is. You figure out how to work through it, and then what I consider the the last stone in the dam gets flicked off with the racial inequality, and then you have this this other intense moment. Where tensions were already so high, so then you have to add on another layer of empathy. But I did see you guys really tackled that head on, and it's something that that is worth mentioning is that you, I think it's called a Black at Sprout, where it's a, an internal employee resource group that was able to pen an open letter and, and talk about how this group is feeling, and I think help level set with the rest of the organization.
0: Yeah, d- diversity, equity, and inclusion is one of our seven values here, and it's really weaved into the the fabric of the organization. And for us, it was a really hard but important time. And I think for many people across the organization, it was a good opportunity to understand the pain that our Black employees were feeling and the pain felt in the community. And for us, it was, it was a lot of education. And so Juneteenth, the week after that, we actually had a day off for all of our employees with the focus in on giving back to the community and educating ourselves. And so there's certainly a ton of work that we all need to do here, but it certainly has brought a lot of attention and visibility to the issues that have been happening for a long time. And that's an important part of the, the culture that we're building here at Sprout. We also just kicked off and it was something that I've been working on is a, a BIPOC program, Black Indigenous People of Color and it's it's a mentorship and education program for all of our employees here at Sprout that we run every two weeks, where we've focused in on trying to overinvest in the community and ensuring that all of our folks that fit within those communities feel the support from the organization.
1: That's very cool. I want to take a couple of steps back and and talk more big picture about sort of future of sales roles. And what you guys have done also from a a large customer standpoint is traditionally, we think about, we have dinners and we, well, we actually have handshakes, but we, you know, we have dinners and we have all these things that we put together for our, our top clients. And those are pretty much taken out of the picture. What are some creative ways that you guys have maintained that customer success and, and help make your marquee clients feel special in today's environment?
0: I mean, I don't know that we're going back to that place anytime soon. I saw an article the other day. They were talking about the fact that on a go forward, ninety percent of businesses are, are not going to want to meet face to face from a sales perspective. And so, I think we've we've all got to get really comfortable with this being the new approach for us. We've really leaned into getting customers' hands on the keyboard. We're big believers that. In this modern environment, the right way to evaluate and buy software is actually to try before you buy. And so for our team, we spend a lot of time with customers, actually getting them into the product, working with them and showing them exactly how they, they, could, they could be utilizing it. We want them to feel fantastic about us as a team, about our technology before they ever sign a contract. And so we give our customers exposure to our customer success team and our support team and our executive team, oftentimes our product team. Um, before they ever sign on with us, so a lot of it for us is just investing in those conversations. and it sounds simple, but that's been the most impactful thing. And, and surprisingly, we still see a lot of software companies today that are focused in on the traditional get on a jet, do a bunch of demos and you know try and close a deal within six months. And we just don't think that motion is going to work for customers in this new digital age.
1: yeah, and and you bring up a, an interesting point um that stat that you just brought up about ninety percent aren't going to be ready to be in person. When you think about, I guess, general sales structure, field sales reps, right, those who are out in the field were are now thrown into a world that's much more similar to inside sales. Do you see this continuing? How do you see this impacting budgets, strategies, team structures in the future?
0: It's a bit of a bizarre thing, right? Your your field reps just became inside sales reps and your inside sales reps just became field reps. With everybody working from home, it's it's kind of a crazy world. And I do think that, one, we know that budgets are tightening, that tightening certainly because of COVID. There's people who are scrutinizing their budget more than they ever had before. I think that all organizations are taking a look at their tech stack and trying to figure out what is essential. In this new digital world where you're not going to have the luxury of sitting next to your teammates to have them walk you through how to use a platform, you're not going to have the luxury of sitting in a conference room and having a vendor come in and do a half-day training on how to use the product. And so what that means is your product needs to be really easy to deploy and implement. You're not going to have people coming on site to to actually walk you through the implementation. It will all be done virtually. It needs to be easy from an end-user perspective to actually just log in and use the product without needing a big manual or training. And I think because of all of that, you'll see a lot of consolidation within the tech tools and the tools that create the best consumer experience that derive the fastest time to value are going to be the ones that win.
1: Did you guys have to take a, a closer look at your own sales tech stack?
0: Yeah, we have been. I mean, we've, we've been looking to see what really makes sense for us in this new world, what, what tech is actually being utilized. And I think for all organizations, as you look at your budgets, and you start planning for 2021, you're really trying to figure out in this remote world What's login look like across all of these tools? How are people using it? What pockets of your organization aren't getting value? Do you still need this next year?
1: What have you found have been your most indispensable tools in your sales tech stack?
0: I think the obvious one is the CRM with, with Salesforce. The, the other one that actually has probably brought us the most utility, especially in this remote environment, is call recording software. So we use a software called Gong. And Gong for us is just being phenomenal and being able to to watch game tape, right? To be able to go back and watch some of the demos or listen to some of the calls, really hear the voice of the customer in their own words, and then utilize it not just from a deal execution perspective, but for a training perspective. And then we're, we're able to take a lot of those insights and pass them across the organization, not just within sales or success, but to the marketing organization to help us decide how we're going to run our marketing campaigns or to the product team to help them see what's really resonating with customers or what customers are asking for on the product roadmap. So that, that one definitely stands out as one that's, that's got a lot of utility during this time.
1: Earlier this week, I interviewed the CEO, new CEO of Chorus AI, which is conversation intelligence like Gong. And it was really interesting to hear what he had to say in terms of the data that they're uncovering and how so quickly they could help their customers understand best practices for sales conversations in a very intense world. And without that, you're just running blind and you, you're guessing. So that has been invaluable for those customers like you guys who are investing in that that conversation intelligence. What do you think has surprised you the most about your sales team in 2020?
0: We, we talked a little bit about productivity. <laughs> I, I would never have guessed that we're delivering more activity than we were pre-COVID. So... Testament to the, the people we have on the team here and just the work ethic that we see every day. Camaraderie was really impressive. I think this is really a hard time, especially because we've been hiring people to join the team. But the amount of collaboration that I see through things like Slack or through the, the hangouts that the team do often or the, you know, the stand-ups that a lot of the teams are doing has been really impressive... I've got invited to a few of them. So the the solution engineering team had me join one of their weekly meetings and they do a weekly cribs where they go through somebody's house and they go into the fridge of one of the SEs. But they're just finding all these fun and exciting ways to stay connected and build relationships even during this weird time where many of our employees that we've hired have just never met anybody from Sprout in person. And then the last thing is just the resilience. We can't know what's happening with all of our employees, but we know that people are hurting in many different ways. And it's just been inspiring to see how people are showing up every day. And obviously we're we're promoting flexibility. We're promoting people focusing in on their mental health and taking the time that they need, which is something I don't think any of us have done enough of during during this really challenging time. But the resilience that we've seen every day from from the organization has just been unbelievable.
1: And that productivity is to your point, it is a credit to your culture. People would not be be productive if they didn't feel like they were connected and wanted to work hard for you. And I know that you have recently won some culture awards. You were named as one of the top workplaces for women. And if sometimes you take a look at that and you're like, eh, you know, you see, it doesn't matter. It absolutely does. And it's been reflected in the productivity. And that's really cool to see. And, and we feel the same way is, you know, I say, always say, our job is really fucking hard. It's literally never done. I mean, on the PR side, there's more stories to tell, there's more people to pitch, there's more research to do. And if you don't find joy in your work and like the people that you're working with, it's a lot easier to go find a much easier job that you also don't find joy in. But our people continue to show up, they continue to be productive, and they work their asses off for us. And it, makes me extremely grateful for those people that are continuing to fight through this with us and we do feel like we're all in it together but it is a credit to culture and to you guys i mean hats off because at least seemingly you've created a phenomenal culture especially within the sales organization so great job to you guys
0: thank you
1: i'm sure that you've had a lot of funny emotional all the whole spectrum of stories with your sales team can you just tell us about one of the most memorable moments you've had with someone on your sales team since March?
0: Yeah. I'll, I'll maybe give you two quick ones. One, we, we do these all hands calls across the entire company and they're a ton of fun and we get together and we recognize people and talk about things that we're, we're shipping from a product perspective or big wins. And the last one we did in September, we did that earth, wind and fire September song. And so it was pitched to me is that we're going to get a bunch of people... And you'll record it on your phone, and we'll put it all together, and we'll weave all the voices together, which is great. And so we did it. And I can't sing. I'm a terrible singer. And uh, that beautiful video came out, and the the final chorus was just me singing, and it was not very good. So we had a lot of fun sharing that on Slack, and I will not be quitting my day job anytime soon. So that that was one. And the second one I'll give you, and you know, we're all on Zooms all day long, and... One of our customer success managers, a fantastic one out of Seattle, Corinne, actually was playing around with her own team before she jumped in and they play around with changing your your visuals. And she was a potato and she didn't know how to change it back. So she started her next customer call and showed up as a potato, <laughs> and could not figure out how to go back to adjust her face. And so it was just, we have that recorded on Gong, the entire company got to enjoy it. So it's a gift in a lot of our presentations.
1: That is incredible. <laughs> I love both of those. Um, and your singing that sounds like was so bad, it was good. It's what made it good.
0: Yes, yes. It's uh, My daughter has reminded me that I should never sing out loud.
1: <laughs> I do want to end with a little bit of advice. Many of our listeners are SaaS marketers, uh, many CMOs. Curious what you wish more SaaS CMOs understood about their social media managers.
0: Yeah. One just recognition that they are always on. There's a ton of pressure on that team. They're moving at the speed of social, which is very difficult. There's so much pressure to get it right because as, as you mentioned before, there's a microscope on that team and they are a direct representation of your brand and they're connecting with your audience and your customer every day. They have the voice of the customer, both the ones that you know and the customers that you want, and they manage some of the most valuable data and insights that you have. And so my recommendation would just be to find ways to give them a seat at the table and find ways to take their insights to the rest of the company because that social engagement, that voice of the customer, that data can influence sales and product and customer service in such a material way.
1: That's fantastic advice. Thank you. Ryan, this has been great. Is there anything else that you'd like to tackle that we didn't cover?
0: I I think probably just the last thing. We talked a little bit about it, but it's been a weird time. And uh, it's been a weird year. People are hurting. Um, We're trying not to assume that we understand anyone's journey or what they're going through every day. And so I think just making space for your team members, finding flexibility, allowing them to create their work days is going to drive the best productivity and happiness for your team. And take care of yourself. We talked a lot about putting our oxygen mask on first and making sure that we're showing up as leaders in our best possible way. And the last thing that I found personally is there's, there are actually quite a few silver linings during all this. For me, it's been the amount of time that I've had to spend with my kids and realizing that I needed to do a better job prioritizing my family. And there's habits that I've created now, like dropping my kids off at school every day that I plan to keep whenever we get past this to some sense of normal again. But those are the things that we're thinking about as a as a leadership team.
1: I love that, and and I'm with you. I am a carpool mom for the first time, three days a week. Here I am showing up a carpool, and I same as you. I I finally said, you know what? I have the flexibility to do this, so I'm going to do it. Right? I, I think we're so accustomed as leaders to saying no when people ask us to do things or invite us to do stuff. You know, we're so programmed to say, "No, I can't." Right, and it has really forced me to stop saying no and saying, you know what? Yes, I can. Right, so I feel you on that. There's definitely been some silver linings. All right, thank you so much. We end all of these with the same question: Do you have a signature or favorite toast to send us out today?
0: I will give you a Croatian one. My wife is uh, part Croatian. And so I've had many celebrations with her family drinking Slivovic, a little bit of the Croatian moonshine, but they say Zivoli. Zivoli is the way they say cheer. So I'll end with Zivoli.
1: Zivoli. All right. I will drink the Croatian moonshine. Cheers.
0: Thanks, Lizzie.
1: Thanks so much to Ryan for joining me on today's episode of Sass Half Full. Hope you all enjoyed it. Got some inspiration. If you want to try Ryan's El Pepino Margarita, you have the opportunity to do so. We are offering 15% off cocktail kits from Cocktail Courier. Simply go to cocktailcourier.com and enter the code SHF15 at checkout for 15% off your order. You can have this kit delivered to your door or choose any kit that you want. Honestly, guys, it makes a fantastic client surprise. Clients who receive this or prospects who receive this love getting booze shipped to their door. Until next time, guys, bottoms up.